The story of Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill the Lord, what the Lord had said through the prophet, A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing all right. Uh, I have to confess, I always get a little nervous coming up here to begin with, and then you follow that voice there, like a man's man. I get up here, sound like Kermit the Frog on crack or something, so <laughs> doesn't really help the confidence very much. Well, uh, like Mike talked about, we are, we are six days away from Christmas, and, and as you make plans for Christmas, we really hope part of your plans are to join us for one of our four Christmas Eve services uh, in fact, we say we have four Christmas Eve services. That's actually kind of 75% true, because one of those is actually a Christmas Eve Eve service. That's going to be Thursday, the 23rd, at 7 o'clock. So come join us, bring a friend. And then we have Friday. It's going to be identical service to what we're doing on Thursday night. That's going to be from 2. And then we have another one at 3.30, and then another one at 5 o'clock. So here's the deal. If you are a homer, if you call this place your home church, can't encourage you enough. Come sit one service and serve one. Okay, so that's your word or phrase for the week. Sit one, serve one. We would love to get you guys involved. Uh, well, Brandon, uh, when he looked at this, this sermon series as we're talking about the birth of Jesus, and he said, well, what are we going to entitle it this year? What is the, what's the key things we're going to try to pull out of it? He decided to call it Fear Not, um, because when you look at the circumstances or the story around Jesus' birth, you see a, a common refrain and a common occurrence. The common occurrence is an angel shows up to talk to somebody, and the common refrain is the angel, when they're talking to that person, says, do not be afraid or fear not. Uh, when the angel showed up to Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist, the angel said, do not fear. When the angel showed up to Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, he said, do not fear. When the angel showed up to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, the angel said, do not fear. And when the angel showed up to a group of shepherds in the field after Jesus' birth, they said, do not fear. The, the phrase fear not, or the thought of fear not, happens over and over and over again. And uh, if you weren't here last week or haven't had a chance to go back and watch the sermon for last week, I really encourage you to do that. Uh, Brandon did a really good job of explaining that for Zephaniah, and his wife Elizabeth, when the angel showed up and said, do not fear, the, the specific fear the angel was dealing with was the fact that Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were fearing disappointment. See, they, they lived a life 
They strived to honor and serve God, but they had been disappointed by God. God didn't come through in the way that they wanted God to come through. They wanted a child, and God did not bless them with that. And the angel shows up and says, hey, do not fear the disappointment you've had, and do not fear continued disappointment, because God has a plan, and, but it's going to be in his timing, and that's exactly how the birth of John the Baptist came about. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Joseph. Uh, now, this Joseph, there's a lot of Josephs in the Bible, but this one is obviously Jesus's earthly father. And, and when you look at scripture, we don't know a whole lot about this Joseph, but we know three things that are pretty key. Uh, number one, we know that he was a um, carpenter. I went blank. Isn't that horrible? In, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, people are talking about Jesus. They said, hey, isn't that the carpenter's son? Uh, so the first thing we know is, is, is Joseph was a carpenter. So when God the father chose to send his son he chose to send him into a family that was just a common group of people. It, it wasn't, they weren't religious leaders or spiritual leaders. They, were not, uh, they weren't political leaders. They didn't have a ton of money. They just, he came to a family just a lot like you and I come from. The second thing we know uh, about Joseph from the Bible is that he was a devout Jew. He was a devoted Jew, which means he, he practiced the Jewish religion and he knew God's word. That's going to come into play here in a little bit. And lastly, we know that Joseph was a direct descendant of Abraham and, and of David. And, and we'll explain why that's significant in a little bit as well. So this is what uh, I want to ask you guys, if you could do this with me, just for the next 25 minutes. Every year, we typically hear the same story, right? We hear the story surrounding Jesus, and it's a great story. But for a lot of us, it's become a, a really rote story. I mean, we, we love it. We appreciate it. We see the miracles in it. But what happens is we've heard the same story for 10 or 20 or 40 or some people longer than that. Uh, some of you guys have maybe taught the story around it, maybe in small groups, whatever it may be. Uh, in fact, this is the third year in four years that Brandon came to me and said, hey, I want you to teach on Joseph. And when I told him this is the third year in four years, he's like, well, I don't remember that. Nobody else will either. So just recycle one of your messages. Great talk, boss. Um, now, I'm not doing that, obviously, but, uh, but this is what happens a lot of times when we get really familiar with something, it, it loses its power in a lot of ways. It, it loses its influence because we just, we, we don't see how relatable it really is. So, so my request to you is I want you to pretend like you don't know the story of Joseph, even though you just heard it, even though you've heard it a bunch of times, just pretend you don't know any of it. And we're going to go couple verses at a time, and I want you just to pretend that that's all you know. A, a really well-known pastor said one time, he says, the best way to read the Bible is to always go to it like it's the first time you ever read it. Because when you, we do that, we get a chance to see God in a new light. Maybe we pick up things that we didn't see before, and hopefully we're able to apply it to our lives in ways that we never applied it before. So I want to encourage you, please do that with me, and we're just going to go and jump back in to verses 18 and 19 which is like the beginning of the story. Now, as I read the beginning of the story, I just want you to think how crazy this is. I mean, God, I feel like, has, has a sense of humor, and he has a sense of adventure. So check this. This is what it says. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, real quick, if you don't know what that means, then phone a friend after the service, okay? It says she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
Now, real quick, this is nuts. I mean, this, this story is crazy. I mean, people that say God's word is boring, they have never read God's word. In fact, if you think God's word is boring, then go back and read Song of Solomon. Unless you're a kid, don't read Song of Solomon. But I mean, literally, just, just think back, okay? Just think that, like, you're Joseph, and think about this story. I mean, this is literally like a first century Jerry Springer episode, okay? The dude's engaged to be married, all right? In, in a scripture, it calls them the husband stuff. It's because in that world, when you're engaged, it's, it's the same almost as being married. Not quite, but almost. You're, you're engaged, you're committed to get married, but you can't be intimate yet. That's kind of their culture. In our culture, engagement pretty much means like, okay, we might get married. You know, you guys jump on Facebook and someone's selling an engagement ring for $3,000. You're like, yep, another one bites the dust, okay? That's not how it worked in that culture. If you were engaged, you were going to get married. So this dude's engaged, had not been with, with Mary, the, the girl he's engaged with, and she comes to him and says, hey, uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And, and immediately he's thinking, well, that wasn't me. Uh, so who do I need to go talk to? And then this woman, Mary, has the audacity to catch this, to, to look at him and say, well, here's the deal, Joseph, you need to understand. Uh, another man wasn't involved. I didn't cheat on you. Instead, God put this baby in my body. And there's no doubt Joseph thought she was nuts. I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff. And so Joseph in this point, who knows how he's feeling? Who knows what he's thinking? He's probably feeling and thinking a lot of the same things that, that we're feeling and thinking if we were in his situation. He's probably a little bit angry. He's probably feeling betrayed because he doesn't believe her. He, he probably feels heartbroken by what she's done. Maybe he's numb and he doesn't feel anything at all. Maybe, maybe he's sitting there and he's, he's just frustrated because he's like, hey, what you did, woman, what you did, what you caused or what he perceived that she did is going to have ramifications in his life. Now, everybody's going to be talking about him. They're going to be associating him with what she had done. I mean, maybe, just quite possibly, the dude thought, man, I dodged a bullet because this girl is crazy. We don't really know how he was thinking, uh, probably a little bit of all these things, but, but what we know from this story we just read is, is he wasn't happy about it. And, and because he wasn't happy, he decided to leave her and break off the engagement. See, being a devoted Jew, a devout Jew, he knew what the Old Testament had to say, and he knew that because she, she got pregnant out of wedlock, he was no longer bound to marry her. But we read from the scripture here that, that he loved her still. It doesn't say that, but I mean, obviously we can glean that from it. And, and because he loved her, he, he wanted to break it off, but he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he came up with the plan to divorce her quietly. See, he was frustrated enough that he didn't want to stay with her, but he loved her enough that he didn't want to embarrass her. You know, I don't know what that looked like in first century. In our century, that means he's not going to jump on Facebook or Instagram and put her on blast, right? But in that culture, he's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to put her on blast. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. I'm just going to kind of slip out the back door, and, and we're going to be done. I'm going to move away from her and not stay with her, and she's going to go her way. I'm going to go my way because I don't want to embarrass her in the process. So I'm going to do it really, really quietly. And I'm sure that Joseph, because Joseph's a man and Joseph's sinful like the rest of us, I'm sure that there's a part of him that while he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, while, while he decided to, to divorce her quietly for her benefit, he also wanted to divorce her quietly because he also didn't want to deal with the public disgrace that was going to come. 
He didn't want to deal with what people would have to say about him. He chose it. It's not, he doesn't want to stay with there because he doesn't want to be the butt of jokes as he walks down the street and everybody points at his family and says, hey, that's Joseph and Mary. Now, we don't know whose son that is. He's like, I'm done with this. So he chooses to move away from her for her benefit as it concerns the way he handled it, but also for his own benefit. And then God decides to do something kind of nuts, something that only God can do. God decides to send Joseph a visitor. And in verse 20 and 21, this is what it says. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this is what the angel said to him. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So this is the story. We're reading this for the first time. We never read it before. Joseph goes to sleep. I'm guessing with a lot of difficulty. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm stressed out, I don't sleep very well. Uh, you guys ever get so stressed you decide to take Benadryl and you still can't sleep? That's a really bad night. But he goes to sleep, and in his sleep, this, this angel shows up, and the angel looks at him and says, Hey, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. He says, Joseph, fear not. And the question really is, what was, what was Joseph afraid of? I think we kind of know the answer if you look at the fact that he wanted to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make a big deal of this. He, he was afraid of what people were going to say. I mean, the same fear that you would have had. He was afraid of, of, of being ostracized and, and the, uh, the, the, the subject of, of the discussion amongst his friends in the community, possibly even his family. So he sits there and says, you know what? The, the, the idea of staying with her is not as strong as the idea of not staying with her. The idea of staying with her and dealing with everything that people has to say about me and her and, and, and our future children, that is not worth it. I just, I'm just going to move the opposite way. But this angel shows up and, and it starts talking to Joseph and there's something about this discussion that started to give him confidence because in a very real way, the angel just says, hey, Joseph, I, I know you're worried about what people are going to say about you, but, but I don't want you to fear that. I need you to take Mary home as your wife. I, I need you to get past yourself, get past the fear of other people and, and do something that sounds really crazy and really ridiculous, but this is what God wants you to do. And based on that interaction, we read, we skip ahead a little bit in verse 24 and 25. It says this, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. In short, Joseph woke up and he obeyed the angel. He moved from a posture of moving away from Mary and then moving back to Mary. No matter how much he thought he was going to be ostracized, no matter what he thought people were going to say, he literally went from one direction and did a 180 and went back in the opposite direction. I mean, here's the deal, guys. He literally, and I mean, not even figuratively, he literally had to go back to Mary and have the, Mary, you were right, I was wrong speech, okay? I mean, that's like, that's an act of God in itself. And so the question is this, is what was it about this interaction with the angel that, that changed this path? Was it the fact that an angel showed up? I mean, probably. I mean, but not completely. 
I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if you're going down a certain path, you made a decision, and, and an angel shows up, you're probably going to pay a little bit of attention to him or her or it. I don't know. Yeah, so the fact that an angel there is going to have some effect on you, but at the same time, in the back of your mind, you're going to be thinking, what was in those brownies my neighbor dropped off last night? I'm seriously, I mean, so, so here's the deal. There's, there's all this stuff going on. And so if we sit there and we minimize this instance in the fact that, oh, Joseph had a change of mind simply because an angel showed up, then we miss the whole story. And, and we'll never be able to apply it to our lives because there's something that happens with the angel that is very, very relatable to each and every one of us. See, have you guys ever been around somebody that uh, they tell a story and it takes them like 10 minutes? It should take them like 10 seconds. Uh, I love those people. The angel was nothing like that. I, I mean, the angel was like, all these women are like patting their husband. I don't know if they're saying sorry or you do that. Um, you can figure that one out later. Um, the angel was like a sniper with their words. I mean, this was a small, a, a very short interaction. But man, the angel did not waste anything, did not waste any words. And the angel did something for Joseph that changed Joseph's mind and, and changed the trajectory of his life. Because the angel said things that just shot straight to the core of who Joseph was. Now the angel showed up, but the angel did three things for Joseph. Number one, the angel reminded Joseph of who he was. Number two, the angel reminded Joseph of a promise that God had given. And last but not least, the angel told Joseph that God had a path and a plan that was unique to him. See, the first thing the angel did is reminded Joseph of who he was. Now, we already talked about the fact that the angel said, do not fear. But before he said, do not fear, did you catch what he said to Joseph? He didn't say, hey, Joseph, how are you doing today? No, he addressed Joseph as this. He says, Joseph, son of David. Do you guys remember... When I said there's three significant things we know about Joseph, and one of them is that he is from the family line of Abraham and thus the family line of David. If you don't want to trust me on that, that's fine. You can go back and read Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, which are the verses that directly precede this story. Now, I'm going to warn you real quick. You might want to take my word for it, because when you read those 17 verses, you're going to see that they are arguably the most boring verses in all of Scripture. I mean, it's literally, who is the father of who, and who's the father of who, and if you read like King James, like who begat, I don't even know what begat means, but that's what it is. But it starts off this way. This is for us New Testament people. It starts off in verse 1 and says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And that phrase, the son of, literally just, it means from the family of or from the line of. And then if you read it, you'll read that for, through verses 2 through 17 in Matthew 1. It's just, it's just a dozen plus generations of who was the father of who, who that was the father of who, that was the father of who, who was the father of who. And then it ends in verse 17 and said, who was the father of Joseph, who married Mary. Now, Joseph didn't know these verses because they're New Testament, but he knew the Old Testament verses. And he knew that he was a descendant of David. And he knew as a descendant of David that he was a descendant of everybody that was in the family line of David. So when Joseph, or when the angel said, Joseph, the son of David, immediately reminded, it gave confidence to Joseph. It was like, oh, that's right. I'm from that line. 
And that leads to the second thing that the angel did is by calling him Joseph, the son of David, immediately Joseph was reminded of some promises that his family tree was given. There's a lot of verses in the Old Testament, but one of them I'll just read for you real quick is Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 through 6. There's no doubt as soon as the angel said, Joseph, son of David, Joseph is like, yes, I'm from the family line. And then his mind, because he's a devoted Jew, he knows God's word. It goes the promise that was given to his family line. And this is what it says there. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So as soon as this angel shows up and he says, Joseph, son of David, the first thing it did for Joseph is it reminded him of who he was. And the second thing it did, it reminded him of a promise that God had given. But then the angel continued on this promise. He said something else to Joseph. Concerning this baby and Mary, he, he looked at Joseph and told him another promise, reminded him of another promise. He says this, what is conceived in her, speaking of Mary, is from the Holy Spirit. And immediately Joseph's like, well, maybe her story's right. I mean, I haven't been with her. She's been a virgin. Now she's pregnant and she says she's still a virgin. God put the baby in her body. And so immediately when the angel says, hey, what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, he's like, oh, that's right. The Old Testament talks about that too. And his mind probably went to a verse like Isaiah 7, 14, which says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when the angel shows up, he looks at Joseph, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. At that point, Joseph was like, you know what? I'm the man that God chose in my family line to be the earthly father of, of the God that is fully God and the man who is fully man that's come to save all of human history. But here's the deal, and, and this is something I want to make sure we catch. If Joseph was not a devoted Jew, if Joseph did not know what God's word had to say, this interaction would have been mute. It wouldn't have meant nothing to Joseph. Because the angel would have said, hey, Joseph, son of David, and Joseph would be like, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. And, and, and the angel would have said things like, hey, uh, the, the virgin's going to give birth a woman's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. You know, the baby, Holy Spirit's going to put this baby in her. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, if he didn't know God's word, this would sound foreign to him. See, at that time, there was a lot of Jews who were devoted, and there were a lot of Jews that were kind of cultural. Just like today. There's a lot of Christians who are devoted, and there's a lot of Christians that, man, we're just kind of cultural. Now, I'm not questioning your salvation. I believe with all my heart that there's believers in this world that, that know Jesus. They've come to believing knowledge of who Jesus is, but that's, they've just stopped there. They don't know God's word. And because they, they don't know God's word, they can never have faith in what God's word has to say. I mean, Scripture tells us that faith literally comes from the word of God. 
So what happens is, unlike Joseph, when, when God shows up in different ways or when we see somebody and they say something to us or we're praying and uh, something doesn't come to mind because we don't know God's word or whatever it may be, we, we don't have the faith in how to overcome our fears and our disappointments and our struggles because we don't know God's word. And the fact of the matter is, 100% of the time, God's word addresses whatever you're dealing with, whatever I'm dealing with. See, uh, in, in the church world, uh, some people say that pastors, like if we meet, so like, oh, I'm, I'm counseling them. Uh, in Jeremy world, that never happens because I'm a horrible counselor, okay? I'm just not good. Because, you know, honestly, I, I, the way I counsel some of you guys, a lot of you guys have met with me. You know how it goes. We sit down, like, what, what's going on? And uh, you're like, this is going on, this is going on. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, this is great. First off, who's picking up the coffee? And secondly, you know, we say, well, you know what? God's word has something to say about this. And we just open up God's word and we go directly to some verses or, or some principles that affect what you're dealing with. And you're like, oh man, I wish I would have known that. I'm like, oh man, I wish you would have too. Because the Bible's really clear here. And the fact of the matter is, if, if we're not clear on what the Bible's clear about, we start to kind of get involved in some really dumb stuff, right? And, and it's not like we jump feet first. It's like we just kind of start drifting into those things simply because we don't know what God's Word has to say. And so what is clear, what should be clear to us, it should give us faith in God. We don't have that. Because in a lot of ways, what we've done is we've taken God's voice and we've muted it. Because we don't know his word, we don't know what he has to say, so we get involved in things that the Bible speaks directly about or, or attitudes the Bible speaks directly about, and then we sit there and say, no, it's really okay, and then all of a sudden we're dealing with the problems of it, but if we had just known God's word, we wouldn't be there to begin with. See, one of the biggest struggles I have, one of the biggest fears I have in my own life and, and dealing with people is I believe with all my heart that many believers have become oblivious to the obvious simply because they've muted God's word, voice in their lives because they don't know God's word. But thankfully, Joseph, he, he knew God's word. So when the angel said, Joseph, son of David, Joseph said, you know what, that's significant. And when the angel says, hey, what, what is conceived in her, what is in her is from the Holy Spirit, Joseph said, that is significant. He, he knew God's word, so he's able to have faith based upon what the angel was saying. But the last thing that angel did is he helped Joseph overcome his fear concerning marrying Mary and the buzz and the talk of what other people would say by telling Joseph that God had a plan and a path that was unique to him. So going back to verse 21, it says this, the angel looked at Joseph and said, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I'll read that one more time. He says, she, speaking of Mary, will give birth to a son, and you, speaking of Joseph, you, Joseph, you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from the sins. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Now, I believe with all my heart, we all have a desire to live a life of significance. And in this very moment, this very moment, Joseph was able to take the, the fact that the angel reminded him of who he was, the angel reminded him of promises that had been given. And now the angels told him, you know what? You have a life of significance, and this is what it is. And in that moment, Joseph realized that what mattered most was what God had to say about his future and who he was, and not what anybody else had to say about his future, who he was. So Joseph was able to move from a point of fear to a point of 
I don't care. Because, man, if God is with me, I don't care who is against me. So here's what I'm going to do in, in just the next, like, five minutes. Uh, I, I want us to take this, this story of Joseph. Hopefully, maybe we've seen it in a different light than we did before. Maybe we see it a, a little bit more relatable at this point. And I just want to kind of like have a Joseph moment with you guys. Uh, for lack of a better term, uh, I, I want you guys to let me be your angel. <laughs> You're in trouble. Um, and I just want to remind you um, that we all have fears. I don't know what it is. I'm talking about real spiritual fears, real fears of, of people, sociological fears, issues, whatever it may be. And I think every one of us in this room, to some extent, fear what other people say. I'm convinced that a lot of times we make decisions, even really dumb decisions, because we're more concerned about what other people are going to say or think about us than we're concerned about doing what's right. And so if you don't mind, I just want to spend just a few minutes talking to you like the angel talked to Joseph. And, and, and during those times where you're in fear, specifically the fear of what other people are going to say, I just want to encourage you to remember who you are, encourage you to remember the promises that God's word has given you. And encourage you to remember that God has a plan and a path that is unique to you. First off, let me remind you of who you are. You know, when God created this world, he, he set apart humans. We're different than like bugs and animals and trees and all that stuff. And the reason why is because God created us to literally be related to him. He created us in scripture, it says, in his likeness. His, his original goal for creating us wasn't likeness as it concerns we look like him. It was likeness in the fact that we're going to be like him. Not with his power, but with his character. He, he created us to be like him, to love like him, and to think like him, and to have the maturity like he does, and the morality like he does. That's, that's how we are created. So when you sit there and wonder, man, who am I? You are literally created by God himself, who created you to be like him. But things got really messed up because sin came into the world. And because sin came in the world, it, it created a, a chasm between us and God. It, it created this, this point where we could not lo no longer be like God. We couldn't have his character. We couldn't even have a relationship with him the way that he in intended for us to have a relationship with him. Because sin was there. So, so God sits there and says, man, I've got this. I created you, and now I'm going to pay for you. Guys, I've created a lot of things in my life, whether it's a drawing or whatever it may be, but I've never had to pay for it after the fact. But that's how valuable we are to God, is he literally created us, and then he paid for us with the, with the life of his son, Jesus Christ. John three sixteen, you guys know this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So when you're dealing with this world... And you're sitting there saying, man, you know what? This world has put a label on me. I'm worried about what they have to say if I do this or if I don't do this. I, I'm worried about what people are going to think. Here's the deal. I, I want to encourage you. Man, you need to have a holy arrogance when it comes to that. It's got to be a holy arrogance. You got to have this mindset that, you know what? They might say this, but this is who God says I am. And God says I am so valuable I am so great in his eyes that he created me in his likeness and then he paid for me with the price of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, once we come to a believing knowledge of Jesus Christ, and if you're in this room or watching online and you've never done that, I want you to know that, 
that, that salvation is truly a gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's just there. All you have to do is open it. All you do have to do is come to a point where you realize that you cannot save yourself and then go to God and recognize that he can save you. And we'd love to talk to you about that. Make sure if you're online, you can post something in one of the comments. Someone will speak to you through that. Or if you're here, make sure you stop by the Connect desk or stop by and meet the team and talk to one of us pastors. But beyond who we are, I want to remind you of, of the promises you've been given once you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there are way too many promises for us to cover. You guys would be here for the next few days if we went through all the promises in the New Testament. But let me, just, let me just share a few with you that I hope during those times that you're struggling with fear will give you confidence. The first promise we're given is eternal life. See, I don't know about you guys, but I, I love my life. I, I love my friends. I love living on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But there's times where, man, I, I don't love it. I just, life is just hard. And it's time where you just feel like you're beat down and you start fearing all the negative things. And, and when you sit back and look at scripture, remember, you know what? God promised me eternal life. So here's the deal. I can endure this for a little bit because I'm going to have a whole lot longer on the other side. The other thing scripture tells us is that we are promised access to God at any time. When you're struggling with fear, here's the deal. Don't phone a friend before you phone God. It could be 2 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but you know what? You have access to God at any time. Next, you're promised forgiveness even when you mess up. If you're a follower of Jesus and you claim that, you're going to mess up and people around you are going to try to remind you of how bad you messed up. At that point, I want you to remember the fact that you're given the promise that God forgives. It tells you he throws his sins as far as the east is for the west for those who have come to believing knowledge in him. Next, we're told that we're promised peace, even when it doesn't make sense to have peace. We're promised protection from the evil one. And we're promised, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, that nothing, absolutely nothing, will separate us from Christ. So here's the deal. When you face fear, just stop and have a Joseph moment. Remember who you are, and remember the promises that God's given you. But last but not least, remember that God has a plan and a path that's unique to you. Nobody else's plan and path looks like yours. In fact, I would say if you're doing life with a group of friends, whether you're a young kid, a teenager, adult, and if your plan and path looks a lot like your friend's plan and path, you're doing something wrong. You're not following God, you're following the crowd. But scripture tells us that God has given a, a plan and path for all of us. And we typically go to Jeremiah 29, 11 when it comes to this. And that's great. But let's be honest, that verse is given to a, a specific group of people at a specific time. Now we can still apply it to us. But in the New Testament, there are specific statements that were made. It says this in Ephesians 2, 10, which reminds us that God has a plan and path for all of us. It says we are all God's handiwork. Again, that's who we are. We are created in Christ to do good works. So your plan or your path is always going to involve good works. And it was prepared by God in advance for us to do. So when you're struggling what people have to say, just remember, God's got a plan and a path for you. And that plan involves good works. And that plan has been set in advance for you to do. So man, just run towards God. You might not know what that specific plan or path is yet. But I think you'll see the things that if you get involved in are going to deter you from whatever that plan or path would be. And last but not least, it tells us this in Philippians 4.13, because I think a lot of times what happens is we realize who we are, 
We, we see the promises. We know that God's given us to plan our path, but we just feel like uh, we're just so overwhelmed, like we can't do it. And Philippians 4.13 promises us this. It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So here's the deal. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, this baby that came to earth fully man, yet continued to be fully God, please don't forget that with this sacrifice comes a relationship. And with this sacrifice comes the ability to overcome our fear, no matter what our fear is. If it's the fear of disappointment like Zechariah dealt with, or it's the fear of what other people have to say like Joseph had to deal with. Just remember what we learn in the story of Joseph is that God says, whenever you face fear, remember who you are, remember the promises I've given you, and remember that I have a unique plan and path just for your life. Let's pray. God, um, we typically end all these services by, by just giving you thanks in our prayer time. And God, we are certainly thankful. God, as we uh, celebrate Christmas in six days, as we open up gifts, God, gifts that are honestly, they're, they're tangible. God, I pray that, that you do something in our heart and our life between now and then and even then that when we open up those gifts, we're excited about what we were given, but we remember that we are given gifts because it's symbolic of the perfect gift that you've given us. That God, because of your son, Jesus Christ, we can have eternity with you because he came to pay that which we could not pay. And God, I just pray that we never neglect that. And Father, I pray for, for myself, I pray for everybody in this room that when we, when we face fears, and there's a really good possibility it's gonna come in the next 24 to 36 hours. When we worry about what somebody else has to say, we worry about something as simple as saying Merry Christmas to somebody, how they're gonna respond. God, whatever it may be. God, I pray that in those moments, you remind us of who we are. You remind us of the promises that you've given us. And you remind us that we're in that situation at that time and at that moment because you have a plan and a path for our lives, a plan and a path that involves good works. It's your name we pray, amen.